Hi, I'm Sorrel Brown, AKA Ms. Africa, the creator and founder of Nubian Nudist. And I'm always naked. What about you? And while I'm naked, I'm always listening to the Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. Hi, I'm Robin Renee, and this is The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. Hi, I'm Wendy Sheridan. Welcome to episode 107. We're going to the blanket fort today to talk about our strategies for dealing with negative emotions. And continuing with our theme of acceptance, today I'm going to share my conversation with Sorel Brown, who is the founder of Nubian Nudist, an organization in support of Black people in nudist and naturist communities. We had a good conversation. We talked about nudity and body acceptance of oneself and by others, what inspired her to create the group and more. So cool. looking forward to sharing that. How have you been faring with Henri? <laughs> I had to think like, what are you talking about? What am I talking high- about? I'm talking about the hurricane that just blew through. <laughs> we didn't get much, a little rain and stuff. And I vaguely knew that that was happening. I know oh, it was wow. supposed to be worse up north, I think. So yeah, I, I have friends in Connecticut who are out of power right now. So uh, yeah, yeah, I've been I was actually sick for just basically since the last time we recorded for two weeks. And Yikes. I'm back alive. <laughs> so <laughs> That's about where I am now just kind of coming back online from I don't know, I guess I was hiding from germs for a year and a half. And then you go outside and see they people again and laying in wait for you. Right. Because <laughs> you can, there's other sicknesses besides COVID that, that can get spread around. Yes, yes. That is but the they're deal. not deadly. They're just mucusy. Right. <laughs> so how are you? Did you have storm issues or anything? Yeah. Well, I mean, we didn't like get like in the house of anything, but I had to go pick raspberries while it was pouring rain yesterday and that wasn't fun. And mm. today there was a like 10 minute break in the, it's still, I think it's still raining right now. So there's a lot of water coming down. My sunflowers are very, very sad. Some of them are like laying on the ground now from the water. It's just so much water. We didn't get any wind. So that was nice. (laughs) I'm happy that the hurricane didn't affect us too badly. I kind of feel bad for the Connecticut and what is it? Long Island. I think they lost power too. It's the summer on the East coast. What are you going to (laughs) do? Oh, boy. So uh, we should tell people about how to listen to oh, us. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, you can catch an episode of The Leftscape every other Wednesday. Subscribe to our show on our website, leftscape.com, or find us wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to get automatic downloads so you never miss a show. That's right. And you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Leftscape. And if you want to be a little bit extra, you could always leave us a review. We love them. Facebook, Google, the podcatcher of your choice. Uh, anything, any word you can give for us would be great. And when you're on our website to check out our show notes, you can always sign up for our newsletter. It's a <laughs> monthly-ish newsletter called the Leftscape <laughs> Lookout. 
And if you want to be a whole lot extra, you can join us over on Patreon for more content. If you become a patron, it helps keep us making our show better. Uh, and we really appreciate your support at any level. Our tiers run from the very reasonably priced front row seats at just a dollar a month to backstage pass, stage door, and all the way up to the elusive hotel room key. <laughs> and I want to thank our patrons a whole lot right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And our we have exclusive Patreon content, and the segment we should be recording this is, for August will be about feminism, how we came to understand and practice it, and our influences from the second to the fourth waves. So sign up and check us out. There yes. is a little bit of free content there to whet your appetite, but we try to save the, the good stuff for our paying patrons. And yes, thank you. Thank you again. <laughs> so, uh, yes, uh, so I have a rewind. <laughs> and I hate to rewind Wendy's quote-unquote fact from last show. <laughs> My random fact yes. about Jack Kerouac and and uh And William Burroughs, S. Burroughs, and, right. Yeah. And the, the idea was that they got into a fight where they actually came to blows about the Oxford comma. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I have to I have to admit this was a Facebook meme that came on to that came past my timeline like the week before we we recorded the show and I did not fact check. So <laughs> yeah, so my random just... fact is not is truthy but not truth. Right, exactly. <laughs> and it was funny because I was looking at it and I, and I said, well it said that the event was memorialized in Kerouac's Dr. Sachs, you know, and I was like Dr. Sachs. Let me remember what that was about. So I looked it up and it turned out that that was written like before the date that this was supposed to have happened. And okay. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Cause it was in the fifties it was written. And I was like, okay, that's not. So either the dates are mixed, mixed up. Mixed. Oh, it's probably completely apocryphal and not true. And Right. So I found an article in the Atlantic that talked about this. And it was one of those things where like, do you ever come across a fact that is so awesome that it's almost too awesome? <laughs> Basically, and and that's what this is. And this person discovered this sort of fake fact and wanted to get to the bottom of what it, this, how this came to be, how it became such a meme and everything. And it does. It turns out that this plaque was part of an exhibit that featured pseudo historical facts from New England. Ah, okay. <laughs> and so, so it was a whole exhibit of bullshit. It was an exhibit of bullshit. <laughs> And it's a really kind of cute article about sort of tracking down how to, you know, how to figure out like where this came from and why so many people have shared it and believed it. So that's, that's actually, it makes it even cooler that it's the non <laughs> Now we know the facts behind the non-fact. So. Okay. So now I have to retitle our segment, three random things Possible. that may be facts <laughs> and <Exactly>. the news. <laughs> exactly. Oh God. All right. Ah. <sighs> Yes, I have been dinged. I have been dinged in the past, mostly on Facebook for sharing not exactly completely true things that look truthly to me. So it's a good uh, reminder. If especially yeah. if it feels if it's a political <laughs> thing that has that matters, it's like, wait a minute, let yeah. me check this one. You know, <laughs> I, I know, and I really, I really hate disinformation, and I and I apologize for sharing what is basically a joke <laughs> and, and thinking it was real. 
but I won't I won't join an MLM and try to sell you leggings. So there's at least that. Thank so, you. Yeah. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that one yet, but no, but. that's LuLaRoe is another one of those. It's a clothing MLM that a bunch of my friends joined a couple of years ago before it, I guess it blew up and nobody, you know, if you join early, you can make money and then, right. I mean, maybe we'll do a show about MLMs in the future, but not right now. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I guess it's time for random facts that I hope mine are actual facts this time. <laughs> <laughs> The fingerprints of the koala are so indistinguishable from humans that they have been, on occasion, confused with human fingerprints at crime scenes in Australia. Now that is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and so maybe if you want to commit a crime, like use a koala, get the koala to like crack the safe <laughs> or something. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. The no, article... Maybe. An article I read to to fact check this, it was from The Guardian, and it was about the police fingerprinting all of the primates at the zoo just to <laughs> to make sure that... I, I'm not sure why they were fingerprinting the primates at the zoo, but they were doing that. And, oh, uh, my God. I guess in That's... case the chimpanzees get loose and commit crimes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's... Oh, that is interesting. Okay, well, here's another fact. <laughs> Lyndon Johnson was nearly killed in World War II. Johnson entered the Naval Reserves while still a congressman, and on his only bombing run, he boarded a plane called the Wabash Cannonball for, uh, for a mission in the South Pacific. A last-second trip off the plane to use the bathroom saved Johnson's life. On his return from the facilities, Johnson boarded another plane that survived the mission. The Wabash Cannonball crashed with a total loss of life. Wow. Yeah. Well, here is my final random fact of the day. Uh, nearly 3% of all Antarctic ice is frozen penguin urine. That's <laughs> random. 3% is a fairly significant percentage. <laughs> it is. I saw uh, Henry Rollins do a spoken word tour and he was, he was doing a slideshow of all of his travels and stuff and one of his things that he said was that penguins really fucking stink <laughs> <laughs> all right oh, so boy. uh so here's all the news we can handle <laughs> so you know i guess the biggest news in a lot of ways right now is the U.S. leaving Afghanistan after almost 20 years at yeah. war. I think there's plenty of mistakes along the way in, in all of it, even any of it, I guess you could <laughs> say. And it's been, uh, it's been pretty chaotic on the, on the exit strategy. And that's been, uh, it's been upsetting. I have not watched any of the horrific videos of people no, trying to desperately leave the airport into that sort of thing. I just, I, I, I want to know about it. I don't want to yeah, get I, as depressed I, as I could, I think. I have been reading some stuff and, and it's, and, and also people are comparing it to the fall of Saigon from Vietnam for those of you who are not old. And, and I'm remembering, I had a classmate in college who, you know, was on one of the last choppers out of Saigon. And he was a he was a Vietnamese soldier um, fighting for the side that lost. So I had a we talked a lot 
when I, you know, in late at night in the labs and I had a lot of perspective of how horrible it was for him. And I'm, it's kind of repeating itself now. So, and then, uh, I watched John Oliver over the weekend and he had some actionable advice that we as citizens of the United States can take. And I want to encourage everybody to take these steps, which is basically to call your representatives in Congress, which is, you know, your, your guy in the house and both of your senators and tell them verbally that you care about the abandoned Afghans and you want them evacuated as quickly as possible using the categorical humanitarian parole, which is the term that uh, the Customs and Immigration department uses for refugees of this type and that will let them travel to the united states so they can do their uh visa paperwork here and not you know with people having guns to their heads thank you for that info because i was that was one of the things i was a little hopeful about when i saw that they were the u.s was adding some money to the cause of getting people out and then um to see it happen yeah such a like right now, really right? It, yeah, it, it it seems that the American efforts right now are to make sure that all of the Americans are out of Kabul and, and Afghanistan, but they're not prioritizing uh, the Afghans who you took advantage of the fact that they weren't living in a, a religious dictatorship and you know were promoting women's rights and all of this stuff, and they're going to be killed and we can't let that happen we really can't and the reason we want people to to make phone calls as opposed to texting or emailing or writing is because the deadline for having everybody out is next tuesday although i am seeing breaking news right now uh at the you know like on the washington post there where biden today uh, today is tuesday um and Biden is going to decide today whether he can extend that deadline beyond August 31st. And I know there's going to be issues with that. Well, he has to negotiate it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's... It's like the Taliban could then after, you know, the 1st of September could start shooting people. So, you know, we're escalating violence with America. You know, it it would just be bad. (laughs) So, so call your people. Call your people today. I guess it'll be Wednesday when you hear this. So pause this podcast, get on the phone, call your people, and then listen to the rest of the show. <laughs> good, good plan. Yes, well, in uh, New York and national news now, uh, Andrew Cuomo has resigned. And he was, you know, I guess everybody knows, accused of all kinds of harassment of women that who worked for him. And today... Should pretty much be his last day, I believe. I don't remember. I know that it, this happened really like two weeks ago, and right, and he gave like he two, gave weeks, two notice. weeks notice. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, so that's kind of big. So does that mean the lieutenant governor is now the governor of New York? Yes. So she and will that's be the a first, woman. Yeah. Okay. She'll be the first female governor of New York. I'm, you know, it's weird, you know, because I was not that aware of Andrew Cuomo's assholery. <laughs> um, just because my new my news doesn't necessarily deal with New York news all that often in specific. So it's obviously appropriate given all that he's accused of and pretty much corroborated by so many different people, you know. 
he was a good leader at the beginning of COVID for me. I felt like I needed someone who was not Trump to sort of give us some yeah. hope or some information or something like that. So he seemed he seemed like a good, uh, at least a helpful figure at that moment for me. So, but I'm glad well, that yeah, you know was, this is the other side of, of it's him, like apparently. it's like you know in a crisis competent people do their job and that makes everybody feel good. I mean, remember how we liked Giuliani right after 9-11? Oh, yeah. It was, yeah, he's, yeah I mean, the there's, a, there's the example of somebody, you know, he did a great job as mayor of New York after 9-11 because what else could you possibly, I mean, obviously we now have an example of somebody being in a position of power and responsibility and fucking it up completely with our prior president. But up until then, we really didn't have a lot of national examples of that. So right. I, I just People remember would basically step up when. The yeah, time yeah. Yeah. And he couldn't. But I mean, like I said, Giuliani, like we all liked him, t- you know, in the in the before times before he turned into like this. I mean, maybe he was always a raging idiot. From, <laughs> I, from I think something that. happened. I think something changed in his brain because he definitely <laughs> I mean I, you know we didn't love him in terms of his policies and that sort of thing I was I was living up closer to New York at the time so I had more of a in earlier times when he was there so I yeah. definitely had more of a read on him and I would I didn't love him politically but I did think he did the right things at he around 11 yeah. like when there was a crisis he didn't like drop the ball basically right right and i but remember now, just, who he is now yeah, is like, some kind yeah, of a it, it's like parody a joke. yeah it's just bizarre <laughs> oh boy so and, yeah yeah and over the weekend which i didn't i and maybe this is because i'm not really watching the news on tv and i'm i'm not really yeah i'm following much less news now than i used to during during 45's admit you know that whole presidential nightmare that we lived through a proud boys rally in portland on sunday basically degenerated into a gunfight and other violence with antifa protesters and i didn't even know this shit was still happening out west so the proud boys had a rally and protesters showed up to protest them and apparently there were no police visible at all until guns started shooting and a total of like seven shots were fired I think there were shots being fired from the Antifa and the Proud Boys and they were, I don't know, but there was a lot of other fighting going on. Both sides had, you know, pepper spray and, and, and various weapons of, I think there were airsoft rifles that were getting fired into the crowd and, and I don't know. So we have a link about that. It was not, it's not something I wanted to wake up to today to, to read about, you know. Because right. they're not, those people aren't going anywhere yet. So we're still dealing with that shit. Yeah, I, I do want to read it. And I want to, I want to understand more about how they're characterizing Antifa. Because I mean, I know anti-fascist protesters. I, I know people that are, who are willing to defend, but they're not out intimidating people. And I think sometimes like Proud Boys and Antifa get, cast as like two equal sides of the same coin or something yeah and, and well this was this was this was an article in the guardian i'm like i am looking at news articles from outside the united states talking about us so that's, yeah you know that's a good that's, thing to do <laughs> that's sure. and that's where i read this 
it was on their front page this morning among some other things. Hmm. So, yeah. So I will, I, I will definitely check it out. I want to learn more about Yeah. I mean, dynamics. the cops eventually, once they, once guns started getting used, the police just swooped in and blocked everything off. Mm. But usually when, you know, there's a, a rally of a particularly contentious group of people, there's a police presence to keep the people opposite them from getting getting into you know it doesn't turn into the jets and the sharks i know? would think that they would be there the whole time yeah that's typically, but they that's weren't what you would want that's weird oh uh, i don't know maybe from last summer their police department is like who knows who yeah. knows at this point uh and uh in other news <laughs> donald trump was booed at a rally in coleman alabama this past saturday when he advised the crowd to get vaccinated Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's in the uh, chickens coming home to roost pile <laughs> or story. It's like, yeah, he, once he's released those krakens, I don't think he can put them back into their <laughs> into their cages again. What do you think got him to start speaking positively about vaccination? Is Is he sort of uh, reading the room and realizing that? Well, if he was reading the room, he wouldn't have gotten booed. So <laughs> I mean, the bigger room, not that. Oh, specific, oh the bigger. You know what room. I mean? Like the the, yeah. the idea that more like Fox News is now it seems a little bit more acclimated to the idea of vaccination, and they're sort of shifting. You know, so I'm Maybe, wondering if he's well because they're realizing that the people who aren't vaccinated are their voter base, and they're all mm -hmm. getting sick and dying. So maybe they're, you know, if they uh, all the if all the Republican voters die, then there's no way they they can't gerrymander it enough to win anymore. Right. Right, so, right. Uh, <sighs> practical. But uh, I was move, I was but, it was yeah. nice to see him getting booed. <laughs> That's all by his people. That's all. I, I mean, yes and no. I mean, it's terrible that anyone's booing vaccination. Like that just I know. terrifies me. It's very weird. And also, I think this rally was his uh, "quote unquote" reinstatement rally. Oh, was it? I think <laughs> I think so. Like these okay. are people who still believe that the election incorrectly that yeah, the election is that, was is stolen. That, have have we kicked the can down to the end of the month, or is it supposed? Oh to yeah, be yeah. Today we, we, or next Monday? It was or? supposed to be the thirteenth. Was supposed yeah. to be. Yeah, the pillow uh, guy, right? He said that. Right. Yeah, the pillow guy said it was he was going to be reinstated August thirteenth. Now there's someone else saying that it's definitely happening this year at the very <laughs> at the very least January first. I forget who said oh, that. So it's right. another prediction. <laughs> you know, it's funny, but it's also scary because some it is all somebody's right. going to eventually get angry that this hasn't happened yet. You know, so oh, I'm there's people who are already angry that this hasn't happened yet. I think somebody. Yeah went in there was they arrested somebody in dc recently who came in like all crazy with his car he's gonna blow something up and they they arrested him and i don't know we are in a weird ass world <laughs> we do we do live in a very weird ass world and in other 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 news the former sex pistols front man johnny rotten has lost a high court attempt to block the punk band songs from being used in a forthcoming drama series the group's former drummer, Paul Cook, and guitarist Steve Jones sued Rotten to allow their songs to feature in Pistol, 
a TV series currently in development by Disney and is due to air next year. In a ruling on Monday, the judge found that the pair were entitled to invoke majority voting rules against Rotten in relation to their to the use of Sex Pistols material in the series under the terms of the band member agreement. So many years ago when they formed the band in the 70s, they all said, all right, it's, you know, we're going to, we're going to run this band under majority rules. And I guess they documented it on paper and the two of them outvoted the lead singer. So. Right. And Sid is not around. So yeah. Two out of three. Uh, That's, um, I have so many feelings about this. (laughs) First of all, I love the fact that you get, (laughs) <laughs> Robin related news that I don't know yet. Like you're you're scooping me on squirrel news, punk rock news. This oh is, no, I, I, I like it. This is this makes me happy. I oh God, I have such complex feelings. Like I'm I'm glad that this music can get heard in different contexts. I mean, I understand that sort of like ride or die, you know, never never sell out kind of uh-huh. a thing that Johnny trying to do at least with this music i guess i'm not so sure with his later stuff that that's been the case but you know but it's good i think it'll be okay to get it heard other places now a disney series about the sex pistols hurts my heart (laughs) i'm like really (laughs) like i just can't Disney is Disney is not just for family entertainment anymore. I know, you know? And there's they, cool stuff that I've I've been watching on on Disney too. So I understand that, but it's sort of just the idea of it does make me. <laughs> it, it does something to my punk rock heart. I okay. don't know. I'm but, sorry, but but I think it's <laughs> but I think it might be cool. Like I'm I'm glad it's going to happen. Well, it's also I think it's also based on Steve Jones's book about the sex pistols that was released i don't know when but he the guitarist wrote a a book about his experiences as a punk guy and and in sex pistols and that's what they're that's what they're turning into a series so it's based on his memoir and for all i know rotten could not be portrayed well (laughs) in the book who knows yeah yeah wow that's that's just it kind of it breaks my brain that we're here we are and there's that Disney series <laughs> called Pistol. Oh man. Well thanks for that news. And uh the last bit of news I wanna say is that water is dangerous. And just uh at two of my favorite places, some really crazy things have happened like in the last week, actually. Oh wow. One, well, I don't know. Should I say the worst news or the I'll say the worst news first. <laughs> and and it's it, it's sad. Someone drowned at my oh. favorite beach a week ago. And it was because they there's like a sandbar that they that people can swim out to. And it always feels it always looks like too far to me. Like I don't swim mm-hmm. really far out into the ocean, but you know, a bunch of people do, and you can get there and you can stand up and it's, you know, you, you, suddenly like it's really deep and then suddenly you can stand and hang out on this little sort of island. But apparently someone did this after the lifeguards had left because they're only oh. on duty till six and just wasn't the tide got rougher or something. And he, he just wasn't able to make it back. Oh, that's sad. Which is really sad. And there there were people, One at least one friend of mine was there at the time and, and there were people on the shore that were able to get in the water and get him out and called you know, the rangers and medics and stuff. Right. And, but he was pronounced at the hospital. 
So that is really, it's a, it's a reminder, you know, because I mean, I do sometimes go in the water when lifeguards aren't there, aren't there. I, and I think I'm just wading around and not going out deep, but it, you know, yeah, tides can shift and I should remember that. Well, it's also <laughs> last week there was a hurricane in the ocean. Yeah. You know, and, and hurricanes, well, there's other things that make riptides as well. But hurricanes, even if they're way offshore and you and it's sunny and everything, they could be screwing around with the water patterns that come out to the shore and they make more riptides because they're churning the water up and and just stuff is making it's making it weird. And you know, if you're gonna go to the beach, you really should Google like how to see a riptide in the in the water. And what's the not terrible news? <laughs> the not the not terrible news, or at least the less terrible news was that just I think this just happened the day before I'm recording this so there's a park I go to often Cooper River Park just to walk around and stuff and I guess at like 6 30 in the morning a car came like careening off of the road and into the river and there was a guy who was actually a preacher who happened to be there and, and recorded it and everything um the police, three, I think, believe it took three different police. They were able to get in the water and smash the windows and, and get this guy out. He was the only driver. And it seemed like he was in distress of some type. Like as he was going into the river, he was like waving his arms, like upset, like something happened. I, I have no idea. They haven't released the person's name or any other circumstances about how this happened. But he, you know, he wasn't able to get out. And eventually they smashed windows and got two two police uh, officers tried to pull him out and he was stuck on something and then a third came and unlodged wow. him dislodged him from wherever he was stuck and he was okay without many without much injury but that's just that's just Yikes. wild yeah yeah <laughs> so i don't know so it's uh anyway just weird weird water news that's all the news i think we're handling that is today. really all the news i can handle <laughs> Know the symptoms of feline paralysis. Stage 1. Sitting down, a cat climbs into your lap. Now you are unable to stand. Stage 2. If you hear purring or if the cat starts to make biscuits, you have reached the next level of feline paralysis. Stage 3. If the cat falls asleep on your lap, you have entered the final and most dangerous phase of feline paralysis. Stage 3 feline paralysis can affect your job or even relationships with other humans or pets. You can tell if someone is suffering from feline paralysis by the amount of cat fur adhering to clothing, especially in the lap area. Feline paralysis can happen to anyone. Are you or a loved one suffering? We can help. And now, back to the Leftscape podcast. Welcome to the Blanket Fort. This is the place we go to to really just process emotional things, check in with each other, go a little bit deeper in our conversations, and sometimes look at strategies for working on ourselves. 
personal growth and things like that. So yeah. uh, I think Wendy, I think you have a topic you wanted I, to talk I about. I do have a topic. I have a, I, I have a topic. It's, it's a kind of something that happened to me, I guess over the winter, I, I was having a lot of very negative emotions over the, over the, towards the end of, of last year, I guess, or maybe it was even later than that. Maybe it was earlier this year. I don't know. It was somewhere during our COVID miasma. <laughs> the weird time out of time. The, the weird time out of time. I was starting to feel really, I guess, depressed and having a lot of these negative emotional spirals. And I think it's also something about, you know, being over 60 and losing the beauty of youth and all of that other shit, you know. And I, and I ended up just sketching and I wanted, and I ended up sketching this self portrait of myself and it was not an attractive face and it was not a happy face. It was really, and it didn't really look a lot like me because I wasn't working off of a reference or looking in a mirror. I was just kind of just remembering how I feel like I look. And that picture, I, I, I kind of called it drawing my feelings, you know, and I, and I wanted to show it like if I had a therapist, I would like have brought this into my therapist. And I said, look, this is how I'm thinking about, uh, this is my per my current self-image. We need to do something about this because it was not a pretty picture. And uh, I will, I will be uh, sharing it with you guys on the show notes. So if you want to go look at it, you can see. And it kind of informed me that, you know, like shit, if this is how you're thinking about yourself, then maybe you need to do some work because <laughs> this is not a good place to be. That's kind of what I wanted to talk about. So, Yeah. When you say negative emotions, I mean, I know some of, some of what you're, you're talking about, you know, that you've described. So I was thinking, so you wanted to talk about that or you want, or, or other, <laughs> or ways to. Well, both you know, kind of to deal with it. Yeah. 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 Well, what if, I mean, I would like to hear more about your journey, you know? So we were feeling like a lot of the sort of changes and depression and things like that. Has that yeah. shifted for Well, you? it was not, not that much. It, a little, I mean, I'm at the point now where I am 98% of the way to get to, to find a therapist to talk to. Mm. So, because it's, I, I've at least, I've at least come to the realization that whatever's going on in my head is more than the people in my family can deal with because they're not therapists, <laughs> you know, and, and these are like big feelings and, you know, it's not my child's place to deal with this. And my husband does not have the training or background to deal with it you mm. know I, he wants to help but it's like he doesn't know what to do and and i get frustrated with that because when it's his turn i've had enough background in in various things and i've been to therapy like a long time ago where i end up you know shrinking his head but he can't really do that for me and i kind of get resentful about that too and you know and that's not a good place to be so i need to go talk to a professional who can like call me out on my shit and help me figure out, you know, how I pro how I progress from here. You know, a lot of this is, 
it, it's all this shit wrapped up with aging and retirement and capitalism, you know, mm. where, where I am not earning money at the rate that I was doing before. And I, you know, and, and I'm not, you know, instantly famous with art or, you know, it's, it's not like my Etsy store is getting, you know, a million sales a day or even one, <laughs> I guess like, you know, a sale every couple of months. So that's like not a viable thing. And I, it's like, and I, and I, I guess I have a lot of my self-worth tied into my productivity in terms of making money. And that I think plays with the, with the whole retirement thing. You know, I have to give myself permission to be retired and I'm not quite there yet. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't know what that would look like. And is it, is it okay for me to create things just for myself? And if they get popular, great. And if they don't, who gives a shit? You know, I, I, there's a lot of, a lot of shit in my head going on right now. And, and. And that's why I want to be a, well, go find a therapist that can uh, help me deal with this. So I'm glad I, you're taking that step out. Yeah, that's, I think that that really can be helpful. I'm hoping. It's been a while since I've talked to a therapist. I had one to try to uh, help me deal with the end of a relationship maybe four years ago. And mm. um, they turned out to be terrible because they were very not. Um, not understanding of Polly, like they said they were, but they weren't, and they were actually. It, I wound up feeling like more traumatized by them oh, than great. you know yeah. than not. And so I've so f- currently I haven't felt the need to speak to someone, but I I know when it's I I, I do feel like I have I still have unresolved feelings around that experience and that relationship and and other things that are going on. So it wouldn't hurt me. I, I it's just. Uh, I guess I'm sort of working in a different mode right now, but it definitely mm. is, you know, it's, it's, it's good stuff when you, when it's, when it's right. And, you know, don't be afraid to fire someone if they're not the right person because. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I, do. I have had horrible, horrible therapist experiences. My family culture was never therapy averse, which I know a lot of like my, my spouse's culture. It's like, Oh no, we don't do therapists. You know, that's not something that you do. You don't, they're, they're not really into self-examination very much in general, you know, and I haven't really found therapists to be terribly helpful in the past. I'm just hoping that I can find somebody who can walk me through this process. You know, I, I keep thinking I've come to accept my cronehood you know, but we never did like a ritual like we did for Mary when she hit 60 something. And that probably will help if I can organize something. This is all, you know, this is all this work. It's like, God, do I want to do this work now? And it's like, I, I think I need to because otherwise the negative stuff is just going to overwhelm me again. So I, I have to, I have to go hunt for a therapist who will be actually helpful and not just tell me things I already know, because mm-hmm. I've had that. I mean, that was my most recent therapist experience. It's like they really weren't, you know, they wouldn't, they weren't calling me out. I mean, there's stuff I probably need to be called out on, and and nobody's doing that for me. 
So, but I think, I think, I think they call us even what I was doing, like drawing my feelings. I think that's part of like art therapy. I don't even know. Yeah. I don't know too much about art therapy in particular, but I think that that definitely serves that kind of purpose, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it was easier. And I think it's easier to, for me to express what it is that I'm feeling through a drawing rather than me trying to talk through it, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes. At least this in this one particular case, it certainly was. It's not like I, I don't talk. <laughs> <laughs> I talk a lot, but it's hard. It's hard to, you know, to talk and be honest with yourself. It's like, it's like your hand. Yeah. So when you're drawing, it's a lot harder, I think, to hide the emotions. Mm-hmm. And I think some stuff is going to come out even unintentionally, like, like the subconscious is actually talking through your hands, you know, when you're making art and, you know, you, cause you're, you have color choices and, and that informs your mood at the time, you know, that kind of stuff. Like I was, I was drawing a lot of people, you know, in blues and, and, and very cold uh, colors, you know, I, I'm not using flesh tones. I'm using just colors like purple and blue and red and, whatever, not natural skin colors. And it's also, it's also because I don't want to pick a race for whoever I'm drawing. You know, there was that too. It's like, well, I don't want them to be, you know, a white person. I don't want them to be this. So I'm going to make them purple and people can figure out what race this person is, if it makes a difference. (laughs) And Well, that actually makes me think about how much other people's opinions and politics can seep into your creation. Mm. Oh, yeah. You know, because that sort of, that sounds like, oh, wait, someone's going to be judging <laughs> this based on what they think I think about this race of this person. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. so far Like second, guess, second guessing myself. <laughs> yeah. And I do that all the time. And it's like, I, I feel like it stopped me from writing whole pieces because Ooh. I'm like, I don't want to deal with what somebody 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 somebody's might think about what this means or what I should or shouldn't say and I find that I don't know that's hard when you're trying to get to the core of something Mm. you know and I think sometimes that's really what we we need to do I mean one of my projects has been just getting unstuck in general and dealing with grief and dealing with things that I think block me and it can block my creativity but also just my like the processing of emotions, like the just stuff you need to do that's primal, you know, that you're talking about. And yeah. And some of that is blocked by my filtering or allowing politics to be in the equation because mm. I don't get, I don't just create before I'm like worrying about the, the appearance or the, or, or the implications of the thing. And that's tough. That's not, I think, you know, I, I, I'm, tr- I like to be aware of all the kinds of different things we talk about on our show and have to contend with in, in our world, but not, not when it blocks just the basic life stuff and feelings that we, we need to go through. I think that needs to come first in my mind. And I've de- definitely been allowing that to be yeah. a, uh, an obstacle the consensus in the creative community about creating 
artworks, artistic works of any any genre. There's no bad ideas, like when you're in the brainstorming phase or whatever. You're editing too soon. Yeah, I think I am. I think I am. And, you know, if the goal were just to write a thing, you know, sometimes I do edit when I write and, you know, it's maybe not always the best process, but it gets done and I can make the thing. But if the goal is really to process emotions and, and get through some of the really hard places I need to go through, it's not working at all, you know? Right. Yeah. It's yeah. really a bad, it's, that's, that's not a thing. So I think for me, I'm, I want to get used to just writing crap, you know, just journaling. I haven't done that in a long time. And I think that would be helpful for me. I wonder if working in some other medium would be good because I'm not really a visual artist. I, I mean, I do like to, I like wig heads and I like designing weird <laughs> wig head things and stuff. And that, you know, it, it is visual in that way, but you haven't done that in a while. I haven't done it in a while. And, you know, I think of ideas that I don't do. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, so I, I, it's a good, it's a good reminder that just working in something physical mm-hmm. could be, could be a way to, to get through some things, you know? Yeah. But it's often for me, it's about what's healthy like what will what actually feeds my body and mind and when i get to those kinds of things like sometimes it is about cooking and eating well and those sort of very basics or paying attention to like what chemicals if i <laughs> are in my body or not what do i do i need vitamins do i need water you know what's that's pretty basic so that's kind of where i am i've been in a sort of generally okay but under the surface, just feeling under par Mm. in a way. So yeah, I've been getting back to health. I think for me, the COVID times had led to a lot of just, you know, obviously isolation and not having reference points for things like not being out and about and like knowing, Oh, how do I normally feel when I'm walking down the street or when I'm with this person or when I'm just kind of having nothingness. I think I went into a lot of bad habits and a lot of just just not doing the right things for myself overall. Yeah. Which is depressing. I really wish that I would have taken the time to suddenly be perfect, but, <laughs> but that's not what happened <laughs> for a lot no, of people. I, you know, some I, people I made great of works it, of art, but some people didn't. Yeah, that's the that's the thing. I mean, we've we've watched vicariously all of a bunch of people doing all of these kind of really amazing creative things during, during the uh, lockdown period, you know, which I'm not completely convinced is over (laughs) at this point, especially in the United States. No, no, I'm not either. I'm trying to sort of prepare for what the winter might be. But I'm also, I'm also, I, I had to, convince myself that I have permission not to have, you know, written the great American novel or the great American art book or a comic book or any of that other shit that, you know, that just surviving and not getting sick was enough, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and not really working very much and not really earning very much money. You know, I could have hustled more, but I was 
I was, uh, I was saying to, you know, like there's other people, I basically was saying there are, there's, there's, there's these other people that need money more than me right now. So I'll let them get these gigs. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put myself forward for these gigs that, that I could have done. Mm-hmm. And and I don't it's know. It's okay to take a rest, you know? Yeah. And I don't know that I did. I feel tired. You know, I feel like I need a rest. I feel like I need a vacation, but I'm like, vacation from what? So, mm-hmm. you know, just from oh. the daily, the daily stuff. But, you know, it's, that's why I, that's why I want to talk to a therapist. So hopefully they will have some insights that are actually useful and not you know, even if they give me a fucking reading list, I, at this point, I'm like, just help. So, so yeah. Um, I don't know what to say in conclusion. Uh, take care of yourself. That's, yes. that's what I'm saying. Let's take in care conclusion. of ourselves. Take and care I really, I, and I really appreciate <laughs> creating space for us to talk to with, with each other too. And to check yeah. in. It's really important. Yeah. So thank you. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Grainer. I'm an assembly candidate for New Jersey's 21st legislative district and a crazy cat lady. And you're listening to The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. Hi, I'm here with Sorel Brown. Sorel is the mother of two teens. She describes herself as a fun-loving hard worker with old school morals. And she is the founder and creator of Nubian Nudist, which is an organization for Black nudists and naturists that is based in New Jersey and has members across the U.S. and some abroad. So welcome, Sorel. Hi, how are you? Good. (laughs) It's awesome to talk with you. Let's see. So I wanted to ask you first, what led you to trying nudism? I'm just curious about how you, what your first experiences were like. Sounds crazy, but I think uh, growing up with uh, just my grandmother in the house, when we were just going back and forth to the bathroom, each other, you know what I mean? So that was part of it. And then as I got older and the lock, when I was young, all right, so let me back up a little bit. When I was young in the locker room and I started developing, you know, everyone kind of has the teasing moments. But as I got older, I realized the girls I was in the locker room with, we all had the same thing. Why are we hiding? And I was just more comfortable with myself. I really didn't care if someone didn't like my size or the complexion of whatever body part, things of that nature. So I was just a little bit more free than others. That's cool. So it really started when you were young at home and then just branching out into yeah pretty much cool and whatever pretty just much. so yep. it just sort of developed for you yep and we weren't nudists at home it was just um going back and forth from taking a shower taking a bath getting ready for school getting ready for church <laughs> you know we just didn't hide it was, at that moment it was just well you're getting ready so why are you hiding versus oh somebody's there i have to cover up you know right right that makes sense to me for sure mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that sounds to me that it was really from a place of just sort of natural, just sort of natural being in the world and living and not worrying about things yep. that most people would be concerned pretty about. Much, I guess pretty you could much, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it right there. Nice. So when that developed for you, 
was it a source of body acceptance or empowerment or pure enjoyment? Like just sort of what, you know, I know, I know we, we uh, frequent the same beach for, in right. New Jersey and that sort of thing. So, which I just love to be in the sun and just feels like amazing. And it's just, uh, it's just kind of part of my joy. Do you also experience that as, is it mostly fun or acceptance sort of, is it like, does it feel like a statement to you or just living uh, at this point? As I got older, it's more of an acceptance. Um, I happen to be a plus size sister, a plus <laughs> size woman. So at one point I would hide myself as I got older or depending on who I was dating, you know, they would say, oh, I love your curves. or I love the way this role is or whatever the case may be. And I'm looking at them like they're crazy. You know, I was always trying to hide myself. And then I got to a point where if I'm not going to fix it, this is what you get. You know, I always say, you know, the only summer body you're going to get is somebody loving this body, <laughs> you know, versus me trying to fit into the norm. Uh, I think we all as humans have that area that is our problem area that we want to change. But I just got to a point where I've always been this size. I've never not been this size. And why fight it? You know, if I really wanted to change it, I would have changed it years ago. Awesome. Very, very cool. So when did you first get the idea to start Nubian Nudists? Um, at Gunnison, actually. The first time I went to Gunnison was maybe 2004. And I'm nervous. It's my first time. A girlfriend of mine, we went and I'm looking around. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm, you know, am I really about to do this? Now, mind you, I've been undressed in front of her before, so it wasn't anything crazy. It was just the thought of being around other people. But no one was really paying us any mind. No one cared, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, we walked around, we took our tops off, and that was pretty much it. And then life happened years later. 2014 comes up, and I'm back at the beach. It took all that time. And I'm looking around, and I don't see a lot of me, if that makes sense. I'm looking for men, women, and it's just maybe a, a smaller than a, than a handful. Uh, I joke around and I say it was a lot of salt and not a lot of pepper. <laughs> 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 and I, I just wanted to see more of me. So I started looking for groups. I started looking for sites, Facebook pages, Instagram. I really couldn't find it. Maybe it was the wording I was using, but I didn't see it. And that September, I was like, I can't find anything. I'm just going to make one for my own and for myself and for me. And hopefully there's a few other people that I'll come across that like the same thing. And I would notice people would post a picture, for example, on Facebook and they would be naked, you know, in the nude or naked and they would just have like a part of them covered and, you know, saying how they love themselves. And I was like, well, hey, I got this group. And I just started up. You want to be a part of it? And they were like, cool. And that's literally how it started. Nice. So it, that's something, you know, I've gone to Gunnison for many years. And, and this is um, for people who don't know, we talk about it a little bit on the show anyway. But uh, mm -hmm. this is at Gateway National Recreation Area in on the on Jersey Shore, basically. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So just mm -hmm. so folks know. Um, yep. And, you know, I'm really happy about the diversity that's developed there over over the years. You know, it's really, really cool. And I'm grateful to you and other people who've made it happen. And so I'm wondering like, what differences do you experience in 
first like a more diverse social environment and then also in like a black exclusive environment are those you know how do you experience those social um, experiences I, I i make a statement on our uh on a website how we don't i don't want anyone to feel like the token person and i realize when it's a group of just anybody which is fine you know, I have no hate for anyone. I love everybody. You know, I want everyone to enjoy themselves and just be comfortable with who they are. But there are times where I feel like I'm a token, you know, um, depending on the situation. Like I work in a male dominated field and I'm one of the first, I'm one of the a black person that's there. And then I'm a black woman there. So it's like the double standard. So I'm already feeling that at work. And it's funny because when, for example, guys come in or contractors come in, they don't think I know what I know. They think I'm just a secretary. Mm. And then I out talk the men that's there and they ask me for the help because I know more of the, the information that's in my field, you know? So I got to a point where I just didn't want us to feel like, yeah, I'm talking about the black girl over there versus, Hey, I'm talking about the one over there with the glasses. Right. You know what I mean? So I didn't want to be pointed out just specifically. I wanted to say the one over there, either with the Afro puffs or the locks or the glasses or the belly beads or waist beads or whatever the case may be. You know, I want everyone to feel as if it's just people versus having to feel like the black woman over there, or the black man over there, you know, and I hate to say it. I've been places um, to other, um, I've been in one other place and, the particular people that were talking, just hearing them from a distance, I'm like, okay, so that's the token black person of the group. And now we're here. Now there's no more token black person. It's just the black group or them over there. And it's okay to say them because it's a group of them, whoever them is, but it's how it's, um, it was looked at prior to maybe the five, 10 or 15 of us that happened to go that day when that one person is usually the one person that's there you know. Right. Sure. Sure. Well, that's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. And it has changed. I started going there, I mean, really in the mid nineties mm-hmm. and I was definitely the token for a long time, probably. You know? I understand. I understand. Yeah. I've, I've gotten that is um, the mayor of Gunnison. I, I'm not sure if you know what I'm talking about when I say that, but he's like, yeah, I've been going there for, you know, almost 30 years now. And he said, I can see the change over time, especially these last five years. You know, it has really grown. And the last, I was there maybe the week before last, and it was a lot of us. And I loved it. I loved it. I just, I, just the fact that our anniversary last year, we had about a good 40 black people in one area. Like it was literally just a circle of us. And people was like, well, what's going on? Is this a party? No, we're just here. And they couldn't understand like, Oh, and like everyone was coming over. What, what's going on? Nothing. But have you heard about Nubian nudists? <laughs> you know, like, like this is just a regular day for me. But hey, what's going on? You know, so it's it's good to see that um more of us are also being more accepting, mm-hmm. and a lot of us are dropping the sin of being nude openly. You know, a lot of people think that sex and nudism or being naked are the same thing, and it's really not. So I'm really glad that a lot of people are starting to, you know, have that type of acceptance as well. Nice. Nice. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about your intro. Um, It it was brief and to the point, which is awesome. And I was really intrigued that you say you have old school morals and, you know, just case in point, like a lot of people, I think would assume that 
going nude is is immoral or at least amoral at least but it wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. be old school so i'm wondering how you how you think about morality and your experience of that that's funny i had, I had a moment um <laughs> i think a lot of the teachings i have with my children like i was raised with by my grandmother so a lot of the things that i think about when it come down to ethics and do unto others that they want to do you know have done to them um having manners simple things like that go a long way you know treating the cleaning person and the president the same Mm -hmm. you know wherever you go you know so that's how i am with everybody i try not to uh judge you know i always say i don't judge anyone's pockets uh because i don't know what they can and can't do uh somebody because they're having a bad day you know but everyone else have a bad day you know so to me that's something that was put into me i think that's an old school thing just having the general when you see somebody you don't have to scarl at them you know smile a little bit or just you know nod your head so something like that you know that's that southern old school teaching in my head ah nice where are you from originally you from the south i'm from jersey but my family's from the south so i was raised by uh, a a farmer and you know her mother was a uh, sharecropper and then her grandmother and her mother was a slave. So all wow. these here, just sweet teachings of, hey, hi, how you doing? You know, speak when you see somebody, you know, just because somebody walking past you, that don't mean that they're having a good day. Sometimes just that, hey, how you doing? A hello can really brighten somebody's day up. And you just don't know it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, do you have any thoughts or advice for people who might be uncomfortable with coming out to a Nubian nudist or at any naturist situation for the first time? Yeah. Yeah. Um, start walking around your house nude. Start there and have all the lights on and make sure you walk past every mirror, every single mirror, because you have to love you first. You have to accept you first. And if it's something that you just can't get over, when you just if the person decide to either come out you know with us or go somewhere else wear just a sheer cover-up wear sarong like um like i have on a sarong now just because i'm being polite (laughs) (laughs) but but um there's ways to wear it as if it's like a little jacket just just enough to kind of cover up a little bit or find something um like I'll go to, I don't know, I'm just naming a a random place like a rainbow or something and they'll have something that has a, like a fishnet mesh type of top, something with it. And just wear that first, you know, wear something that reveals, but still you feel covered up. So you don't have to feel like you just jumped out there at first, but definitely go with, you know, maybe someone who's a little bit more open, you know, be around someone who, who doesn't judge because everyone judges, but let them see past that. You know what I mean? Some people, I have, um, I'm, some of our members, are breast cancer survivors, for example, and they have, you know, double mastectomies and they walk around as if they have a full double D bra, you know, on if that makes sense, you know, like nothing. Just the confidence you mean. Just the confidence. Exactly. You know, when you walk around and just say, you know what, this is me. I love me. And if you don't like it, that's fine. But I love you. You got to love me first. If you can't love me first, you can't love anyone else. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So what have you learned from the beginning of Nubia Nudist till now? Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are more people out there than you think that are just like you that want to be 
in the same type of setting. Um, even if they're from a different background, different world, whatever the case may be, there are more Black people out there than we think that are naturalists or nudists or, or don't even know that we exist because they thought they were by themselves and felt like they were doing something wrong. You know, and now that they're seeing it, it's like, wow, it's, it's, we got over 500 members. You know, so I always say this, this the tribe is huge. <laughs> the tribe is <laughs> growing, you know, I love it. But um, at the same time, um, I've learned also how to incorporate my children differently when it comes down to their body positivity and their physical look on themselves and how I want them to be able to have other people view them. When I first started, I didn't let my children know I was a nudist. Mm-hmm. I didn't let them see me walk around. And I, I joke around, I say, in all my natural glory. Now I do. You know, they're of a different age, different mindset. I've explained things to them differently. And I think that also goes back to just the general, that's kind of my old school morals that I came from versus what I'm giving. You know, we have this thing, and I hate to say in a Black culture that, we hide ourselves, you know, millennia ago, we were walking around naked with no problem, no worries, no, no anything. Now we come here. Oh, put some clothes on. Don't be fresh. But if I'm home and I'm relaxing, how am I being fresh? If I'm just walking around the way I was, I was created, you know, we were taught that, you know, men men and women will walk around in in the garden even with nothing on the sin was actually putting knowing that you were naked, not the fact that they were naked. You know, they were, the sin was the fact that they covered themselves. That was, if, if you pay attention to scripture, that is, you know. So now uh, I really try to teach them that your body is beautiful and it's okay that you see your body. It's okay if someone sees you. That doesn't mean that they're going to do something. That doesn't mean show every single person out there you know, but it also doesn't mean that when, when you're in a part of, of acceptance of yourself, you know, there's a certain way that you walk, there's a certain way that you talk, you know, and also, because uh, my son is 18, um, for sexual purposes, I say, if you could be around me and be comfortable, you can go out there and don't have to worry about the wind blowing and you get excited every single time. <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you know, not that he wants me, but, you know, it's just that, a, a lot of people don't understand just because a woman has no clothes on. That doesn't mean that she wants to do something. Right. Exactly. It's the idea you know? that it's sexuality and nudity are not one and the same. And that's something exactly. that I think a lot of people exactly. don't, don't get. And they, and even adults still don't get it. And some of them just haven't had that opportunity because, you know, every time they go, you know, they go, I always say to the shower, do you, do you bathe with clothes on? You know, how do you change your clothes? Do you take a piece off and kind of wiggle? Like, you know, when we were in, in high school, we tried to hide something and put it on like that. Like, is that what you do? Like, when you go to the doctor, they need to see you completely nude because they need to see what's wrong with you. You know, everything, you know. So it's, I just kind of realized that all the little inconsistencies that we've been told and all of the shameful things we've been told, they're not as shameful as we thought they were. You know, that's just, it was embedded in them and embedded in them before them, you know. So now we have to kind of get away from that. We have to relearn ourselves. Right. Absolutely. So um, I, this will 
probably air. I, I'm not sure when, you know, our different shows are coming out, but just in general, <laughs> I don't know. We, we probably can't announce a show or an event, but what are the kinds of events that you're, you're doing this year? Um, this and we can year, send people to the site to see, you know, the specifics. Yeah, 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 of course, of course. Um, so they can always go on Um, Right now, this year, we're just we're trying to do like a little takeover, a two day takeover. So um, there is a um, nudist resort in Palmerton, Pennsylvania that we're going to. I don't know if you know that one. Am I allowed to say them? I don't know. Yeah, you can say it. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to Sunny Rest. Um, mm -hmm. That's Saturday, the 28th of August. Right. And then on the 29th, we'll be at Gunnison. So I'm trying to just have like a nice little show up and show out. You know, we got some card carrying members. So even though there is no discount when you have a newbie and this card, but just if they have an Anar card presented at the same time when it go there, just to show that we're representing, you know, and it's, it's a lot of it. Because I know they, every group wants diversity mm -hmm. when they don't have diversity. But why not show that there's actual an actual group that represents versus just random people popping up sure sure and it's aanr -A -A is that the yep what, mm -hmm. what does that stand for american association of nude recreation right so you're saying like when people belong to that organization to show that they also belong to yours yep. it exactly sort of exactly shows like we're out there we're and, you know just support <laughs> yep exactly exactly awesome well thank um, you so, so much yeah any any parting thoughts on this um I hope that more of us learn acceptance and more people are willing to at least come out and, and see what it's about. Uh, we are eventually trying to get a, a location for us. Um, so there's a little information on it if they want to donate. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, you know, we got bands and everything. So, and you see, I have my banner and this actually stays up on a wall when it's home. So, okay. Oh, that's the banner yeah. that you put up for events. Yep. So for events and when we're at the beach, things of that nature, um, I'm, I'm looking actually for a small one for the beach because it's hard to have this one up when we're there. So, um, but yeah, but hopefully, and then maybe we'll have a new karaoke again next year. So hopefully we'll see you there. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. I will definitely be checking it out. And right, uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. And now it's time for You Got Questions? We Got Answers. <laughs> and the question of the day is, what are the real reasons people are choosing not to get vaccinated and what would change their minds? This is from Linda Gaffney again. So thank you for thank your question, you. Linda. Thank you, Linda. I think what I have read from people, because I'm not really in conversations with anti-vaxxers. If I find out somebody's not vaccinated, I kind of tend to not want to be within 10 feet of them. That, that they don't trust the vaccine. And a lot of, I think a lot of the, the stuff I hear from people online is all based on misinformation is where they get their, their real reasons. I'm not counting immunocompromised people that can't take the vaccine. So do you have some insights as to why people would be vaccine averse? Yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the main things is, is, is mis misinformation. I was at a retreat not long ago where I heard someone 
just sort of just talking about the opposite of the truth of what what's causing the <laughs> the variance. And it was pretty disturbing, actually, you know, that someone really believed that it, the vaccine itself is what's causing oh. variants to occur, oh, God. which is making this everything worse. And, and, and I was, it really kind of threw me for a loop be, because it was said with such force that I was like, wait, is that right? And I was like, no, no. that is, that's the, actually the opposite of what's accurate, you that know, because not- the more... Yeah. That's not how this is not how that works. And and no. it was um it, it, so I could understand how misinformation happens and how confusion happens because I mean with a scientific background, I basically do understand how viruses work and, and why the the vaccine is so important right now. And hearing someone state something with such a fervor, you know, was just like, oh my God, wait, you know, <laughs> and I had to check myself and think about it. So that happens. I mean, I think, you know, that kind of, that's not quite gaslighting, but it is in the sense that the more you hear misinformation, the more you you, you could start questioning your own, what you know, you know, yeah. I think that happens. I think some people are prone to believing the alternative explanation of everything. Like mm-hmm. I know some people who are very much interested in alternative medicines and things like that. And, and, and that's fine. But I think there are some people who will, anytime there's any pharmaceutical, there's always a better answer. Hmm. And doctor, whoever, who's not, you know, who's like famous for writing books more than being an ex an actual expert might, <laughs> you know what I mean? There are, there uh-huh. are quote unquote experts who really aren't. In right. the in the new age kind of um, world, and so people who follow Doctor X rather than you know the CDC or whatever will just listen to Doctor X. So that's one thing. And the other thing is there's a lot of mistrust in the black community just around medicine in general, and that's something that um, that I've heard some of you know um, people thinking of Tuskegee. And um, other kinds of really horrific actual experiments that have been done on black people or, um, or just neglect or non-belief and that sort of thing. And so that I have empathy for, I have, I have to admit, I have less empathy for people who just sort of follow the trails of the latest fake news trend and, and aren't really engaged in, in getting actual facts, you know, from good sources. But I also know that, like, I do understand why people would be fearful, you know, coming from a Black perspective. And and so, I just want to stay, I just want to be, somehow be a person who can represent for, as a person of color who got vaccinated as soon as I was able and really under, trust this, the basic science of it and how vitally important it is yeah. for as many of us as possible to get not be a vector for this as as, as much as possible. That, yes. I mean, it's going to help all of us so much more. And what would what would you say to other Black people to help change their minds? Because I, mean, I know, I know, I think you were more afraid of being treated poorly in a hospital situation if you actually got COVID than than you were. That was that was more on the the that was my terrible fear. outcome than than getting the shot that exactly was my fear that just be, being in an overwhelmed hospital like i have 
family history where people were given hysterectomies or, or partial uh, hysterectomies and things like that over things that maybe someone with more money or with a, a perception, not, you know, does not mm-hmm. be, being ill while black, you know, maybe <laughs> would have gotten a more nuanced treatment. That I, I don't know that. It's something I suspect, you know. Mm. And so I was thinking about things like that and, and the idea that people, I've heard that black folks are, are less believed when uh, or they're talk, we talk about experiencing pain or, or things like that. Yeah. So yeah. That, yeah, yeah, well, that, that worried me. That worried I mean, me a lot. I mean, they're, they're still teaching doctors in medical school still now to this day that people of, that black people have a higher pain tolerance than white people, which is bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've heard some, some of this stuff recently, which is pretty horrific. So yeah, I mean that I worry about. So I would like to stay out of the hospital and I want to contribute to all of us being well. And I think, I think the more of us who are vaccinated, the more it helps all of our communities and especially um, with a higher proportion of people of color in essential jobs. um, The more of us who take care of that, that piece. Yeah. I think the better, you know? Um, so I don't know if that's convincing, but it's certainly something that I would want to say, you know, and I also have a real commu- a community feeling overall. Like to me, it's, it's the patriot, it's patriotic for all of us to get to like, be like, yes, this is the thing we need to do to help all of the country, all of us, you know what I mean? Yes. And, and I sort of had that, had that feeling when I was, you know, when we, then they had the big centers um, where everyone was getting vaccinated in like April and whatever, before yeah. March, April. I was like, wow, we can rally together. We can get all of us together. We have the national guard helping. We like, this is a positive thing that this country could do in terms of all of its military might yeah. <laughs> to like get some yes. of these folks and soldiers to help people organ you know it was very organized yes these lines and get amazing it amazingly it, efficient it was, it was efficient. amazingly efficient and was doing something positive and that made yeah. me feel feel like i'm doing this for just, not just me but for everyone around us mm-hmm. and, and that's that's how i that's what i feel so it was kind of inspiring that we can develop something like this and actually do some good for us and the world. And so that's my idealistic <laughs> way yeah. of thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, I know we're not going to be able to change anybody's minds by yelling at them or calling them stupid. No. I mean, that's kind of, you kind of get there. You get to that point when, well, especially online when people are just giving you ridiculous non-information that they're believing in. But some people need to be deprogrammed and there's some people that won't take any vaccines for any reason. And I, I find it's difficult for me to not think of them as being horribly selfish because that's literally depending on everyone else doing the right thing to keep them safe. Mm. Yeah, and I doubt that they even see that, which is interesting. It's yeah. it's a very interesting way of seeing it. But yeah. well, it's no, they're depending on the herd immunity, and the only reason you get herd immunity is because everybody else, else is does. taking care of it. Yeah, right. No, but the thing true. is, we have to do it for the people who can't, and it's it's really angers me for the people who won't. 
And I'm not just talking about COVID. I'm talking, you know, measles and, and, you know, stuff that the vaccine's been around for like, well, not my entire life because I ended up having a lot of these kids. I had the childhood diseases because they didn't have vaccines yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I had mumps. I had, I had rubella. I had, oh wow, I had uh, chicken pox, you know. Chicken pox um, I had, the, the, the other ones I didn't, thankfully, but yeah. I love the brilliance of science and the ways that vaccines work for us. And just the fact that, yeah, we have, there are diseases that I know about because my grandmother talked about them Mm. and that's really all I know of it. And that, then that there's vaccines for them and that's great. And I think that we have an opportunity to make this, you know, a livable, manageable world again. (laughs) So I'm hoping hoping that some, you know, people get one or any of these, these messages we've been saying and, and do the right thing for all of us. Yeah. Well, thank you for the question. Thank you. So in our next show, we talk about why gardening and preserving food is awesome. And then I interview former lawyer and current yogi and somatic experiencing student, Beth Ann Yeager. And we have a really interesting conversation. So I hope you guys can tune in for that. Yes, 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 please do. And uh, signing off, I want to say I'm Robin Renee. And you can find me on Facebook at Robin Renee Fan or Instagram at Robin Renee Music and on Twitter at Spirit Rock Sexy. I hope you will say hi. Yeah. I am Wendy Sheridan, and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Wendy Cards and on Twitter at Wendy Designs and on Etsy at Wendy Cards with a Z. And remember, you can always reach out to us on social media at Leftscape. We hope to hear from you there. And, you know, if you've got any questions, we got answers. So send them (laughs) to us. (laughs) And, well, maybe we will talk about it on an upcoming show. You've been listening to the Leftscape Podcast. Sound engineering by Wendy Sheridan. Show notes by Robin Renee. Fake sponsor messages by Ariel Sheridan. Web hosting by InMotion. Remote recording by Squadcast. If you like what you hear, please share it with your friends. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Leftscape. Become a patron of our show for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash Leftscape. Thanks for listening.